Welcome to the Iceman, a podcast presented by Tuned Up Custom Rods and Freedom Baits. John, how you doing? Dan, I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Doing well, Tommy. It's good to see you. I don't even recognize you right now. I know. I look a little different. Got rid of his mustache. I uh, we'll get to talk about why. It's my baby brother. He's back. I I got to shave. I got to shave when I got home. It was pretty exciting. Why do we have to wait? Tell us the story right now. Well, let's introduce get our guest. Yeah, we first, have a, huh? a super special guest, one of my favorite yeah. people in the whole fishing industry. Larry, ask Danny about his mustache, please. We'll talk to <laughs> Let's introduce. All right. <laughs> we can get to it. Larry, Larry Hansen, legendary guide on Lake Minnetonka, all around fishing dude. Woohoo! Host of Real Talk Outdoors on Bob 106.1. Is that right? Did I say that right? Thanks for being here, Larry. Oh, thank you, guys. Those are nice words, besides, guys. Just well, they're true. Thank you. Yeah, he could catch a bass in that bucket of leaky water over in the shop. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Probably. We're excited to have you here. So uh, Larry and I just got home from an adventure together. We are were able to make it up to Lake Winnipeg for uh, my church's annual men's retreat. Some of you guys who follow us on social media got to see a couple of tease pictures out of that. Uh, it, was, uh, it was a pretty great trip. It, yeah. it was awesome. Dan, it total us for me. You knew it was a bucket list thing when I saw you put up Steve's thirty-one and a half inch last year, and I said I texted or whatever on Facebook. Or did I miss the invite or something? <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't forget that. And man, it, it, if you haven't been there, if you're an ice fisherman and you haven't been to Winnipeg, you're missing out. Yeah, it, it, I had two groups of people go to Winnipeg this year on recommendations from me uh, you and a couple of buddies that went the weekend before and I was a little worried to be honest with you because you know you've been I've been talking it up for years and I was hoping that it would live up to to the hype um, for the for the group that went the first weekend it seemed to and I think it did for us this time mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It, no it because it, it, I'm looking at it as a guide side those guides have the pressure on them just because of how famous it is Mm -hmm. i took the other route i just stay especially with brad on saturday and you told him he likes to drill a lot of holes yeah and i just hung in there with him because i don't want to take the rod out of his hands there's times where people want to do that to you and tell you how to fish Mm -hmm. well why would I do that? I just stuck with them and it was successful. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we were up there. So I don't know exactly when this will get published. In a, in a, it'll be a little bit, obviously, after we came back. But we were up there the weekend of the 20th, right? So January mm-hmm. 20th. Yep. And that was during the incredible cold streak. Mm-hmm. So down here in the Twin Cities, I don't even know what was it at, John? Maybe negative five, like, maybe? Negative five, negative 10. I mean, it was, it was cold. Yeah. It was bitter cold. So we were up there. We got to, um, you know, I got up there late Thursday night. Friday morning, we wake up to go fishing, and, and the, the radio in the, in the truck says negative 16. And it stayed negative 16 
mm-hmm. the whole day. Like it never warmed up at all during the course of the day on Friday. And uh, thankfully the wind wasn't really blowing. It, it actually hit 23 below. Did, did, is that what you said? Yeah. And then um, who confirmed? Oh, Donovan confirmed. We should be doing this in metric, please. We're in Canada. <laughs> yeah. Well, minus 30. Yeah. Minus 26. Uh, minus uh, or no, 26. There, A. Was, well, negative 40 is where the two scales converge. <laughs> yeah. okay. So if it's 40 below, it's the same in Celsius. It doesn't really matter if it's negative 20 or negative 21 or negative 20. It's all just, it, that's where stuff breaks. That's where stuff falls apart. Well, yeah, and what were you saying, Larry? No, uh, Donovan and us talked about it, and he said, yeah, we, we hit 23 below. Yeah. So that's what I thought. No so, big deal. I've been in 23 below before. I wonder so. if they was talking Celsius. No, we converted. You converted? Okay. <laughs> so, we, yeah, we went through Blackwater Cats Outfitters. If uh, you guys have, if you've been listening in the past, we have talked about these guys before. Blackwater Cats is owned by Donovan Pierce. and um, He's I, been on the show, right? Yeah. Donovan's been on. He was a guest of ours a couple, couple years ago. Uh, I think he's going to maybe be joining you. Isn't yeah. that right, Larry? Yeah, I just have to send him some dates that he can and pick from whatever he likes. So, uh, you know, if, if you are looking for an adventure through Winnipeg, um, granted I've never gone with anyone else, but I don't see why I ever would choose to, his operation is is stellar. He has several guides that he that he contract. I think, I don't know if they're contracts or employees or how that works, but when you go up through Blackwater, you're going to be guided by somebody that's in his crew. We were fortunate to have him as our guide on Friday, mm-hmm. which is the first time that I've had Donovan as the guide. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, he was dialed in. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he brought us out there. Um, the snow, the travel was really convenient. There, there wasn't the snow that I'm used to up there. So we could, we could drive pretty much anywhere we wanted on the lake. There was a lot of that uh, frazzle, they call it. I don't know if, did you talk to Donovan at all about that? No, I think you, you said that's the, instead of we have ice heaves here, theirs goes over the top of each other, like the yeah. plates, tectonic plates. Exactly. So it looks like, it looks like an ice heave. It looks mm-hmm. like you're about to drive over a big crack, but it's not a crack. It's solid ice, but there's just a top layer of ice that literally blows on top of another layer of ice because of the because it's such a long lake and the wind builds up so much and it breaks up and it looks like a heave but it's not you could you it's equally as thick in fact it's thicker in that spots because it's two layers on top of each other and sometimes people talk about drilling through the ice hitting a patch and then having ice underneath that patch I had that happen once when I was younger. I fell through, like I was standing up on top, drilled, and fell down like a foot. Wow. Thought I was going in, wow. but it was just a piece of ice that. It, so I you do understand okay. that. Yeah, they say sometimes they go to spots and they drill and they can't get through. It's too. It's I've heard too that much on ice. like Malax that'll happen on really. Hawthorne's weird. talked about that. Yeah, or you have to drill kind of at an angle mm-hmm. trying to get through. It's it's weird. It, I mean, it looks like a heave when you're driving over it. You're like, this is not safe. Where's the bridge? But it's it's not the same thing as an ice heave. Anyways, he took us out, and uh, yeah, we were able to get on fish right away on Friday. Mm-hmm. Caught caught a bunch of fish, smacked them. Um, we were, you know, every um, the goal at the beginning at least is to try to just fan out and and hole hop essentially. But when it's sixteen below zero, I mean everything's frozen. You know, and all my guy, all my rods are braid because I usually fish inside. 16 below and braid is just 
That's I mean, a that's, recipe for disaster. It just doesn't work. <laughs> Larry, you were coming over. You're like, I can't get anything off, off my line. Yeah. I told tough. you, I told you, I said mono only. And mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I'm going to go with braid. I'm like, I, I, yeah. I, next time I'm going to have two rods rigged up. Yeah. One. Mono, mono only. No, I came with four, no. but mono only on two and then yeah. the other two with. I'd come with 35 rods. That's <laughs> there's too much to carry around, man. Well, it, I will never bring. 30 rods ever up through Canada. We got searched <laughs> and they were asking us what we were doing with 30 rods, four augers, two snowmobiles and just two guys. I'm like, I'm like, look, I break a lot of stuff. Just trust me. Just don't ask. I'm not selling this stuff. I, it'll yeah. be broken before I come home. No, it was awesome. It was, a, it was the, the bite on Friday was, was really good. And then Saturday was just a totally different day. Uh, temperature wise, it was a little bit warmer. I think it was, maybe negative four or so when we got up in the morning, but the wind was wind. just... The wind was terrible. Howling, like 30 mile an hour And I winds. think I'd almost rather have a colder and no wind than... It was know, way ten degrees. Yeah, 10 degrees. Way less comfortable. Because well, you can't get out of it. Yeah, there. so you know, we knew that on Saturday, hole hopping wasn't going to probably be an option. So um, our guide on Saturday, Brad, who I've fished with before, he, you know, he knew that he needed to get to a spot and drop us on fish, right? Because if we didn't hit fish, we were going to be moving right away because otherwise people were going to set up their houses and sit there and jig for hours and not catch anything. And the fish moved. They were, they were not where they were the day before. And they were, they were gone by miles. There was miles of difference between where they were. So the morning was kind of a, kind of a struggle. You know, you could, I don't know if, I could sense it. Brad looked like he was feeling the stress. Oh, he was feeling the stress. The first two places, we never even, you caught fish. Tom and I did not, didn't even see anything on the locator. Yeah, it was, uh, it was weird. That's not his fault. No, but there just weren't fish there, uh, or at least not enough to support a group of 14 anglers. Mm -hmm. So we, we made a couple of pretty significant moves, miles long. Now when I'm uh, I'm going to ask a naive question because I've never been up. When you move, because Winnipeg's kind of a shallow, flat lake. Mm-hmm. When you move, is it like, okay, I'm moving from seven feet of water to nine feet of water across five miles? Or are they looking for like top structure? I'm, it's, I'm, uh, it, I, I really am fascinated because that, it's a very different lake than we're that, used to. That's a great question because I really don't know. All I know is we were like in 10 and 11 feet of water most of the time. With the, two feet ice, right? So it was 25, 25 inches of ice. Okay. inches of ice. And, and um, so we moved four times on Saturday. The last move was the was great. Um, that's where we caught 16. And that and was, eight, eight, that was, was like eight, eight feet. Eight feet. So we moved up shallow. We were actually right offshore. Interesting. We was very close to shore. Mm-hmm. Um, but when when we moved, so what, what the guide would do is he would... He would drive along and everyone would be following him like a train of trucks, yeah. like seven trucks. And he would drive to a spot that he thought might hold fish, open his door, pop a hole, drop his live scope down and scan. And if he saw fish, we'd stay. And if he didn't, we'd move. And there were several times where he didn't see any fish. Okay. And so he wasn't looking for structure. He was looking for pods of fish. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we happened to be the lead truck a couple of times. So when he stopped, I pulled up next to him so I could watch what he was doing. And if you, you could see his live scope screen, it was in the backseat of his truck. And as he panned around, 
you know, that live scope's looking out 100 feet in any direction, and there'd be just little bobs. Um, and depending on where he saw them, if there was enough of them, he'd say, okay, said, you're here. And then he'd drive another 100 yards and say, you're here. And you just set up a line and fish. Interesting. And, uh, you know, part of it was we were doing our own scouting, you know, because if, if he put up a line of a line of guys, a line of seven trucks, and the truck on, on the far left side caught the fish and the truck on the far right side didn't, obviously move further to the left, right? Mm-hmm. It's like playing Battleship. Yeah, and you're strategically moving people around. So he's <laughs> utilizing those people to kind of find out all information from other people. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And and the Blackwater Cats has multiple guides. So while that's happening, he's communicating with the other guides. You know, he's calling them or whatever. Well, don't people follow you and stuff? It's, I mean, like, you have the... Yeah. I, I don't know what... Donovan, Donovan calls them shithawks. That's what it is. I was like, yeah. I can't, but they're Blackhawks or Redhawks, but yeah, shithawks would make sense. Yeah. Um, we didn't have a lot this time. There weren't a lot. I well, think it was cold. cold. <laughs> it was really cold. Yeah, if it was 40 degrees out mm-hmm. and, and beautiful, people would be all over you. We did have a couple of people in our group who were follow-alongs. Follow so you can, you can book Donovan two ways. You can book him with a guide or as a follow. So if you book him as a follow, you literally just follow the group. And then they just, you just, he points to a spot and you fish there, but you don't get any holes drilled. You don't get your fish filleted, none of that stuff. So it's, you're literally just tagging along. I think it's half price is what he charges for that. Well, that's not a terrible, I mean, that. No way. It gets you you close, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, because if you're not. And actually one of the guys in that follow group caught a giant fish. You saw him take a picture of it. Yeah, that, that, those two guys, that's what they were? Okay, Yeah. yeah. Um, my buddies who went the weekend before hired Donovan as a follow for the day one and then as a client for day two. And they said that if they, if they did it again, they would definitely do client because you get more, you get more. They fill no. your fish right there on the ice for you. Yeah. Um, and they're popping holes for you and coming and into your house. Realistically, you. you're learning too. While sure. you're doing, what people don't realize, and, and Larry will attest to this, you're learning the whole time. And if you take it for what it is, hey, you might not catch the biggest fish of your life, but you're learning like how to keep moving on a body of water like this. Don't just sit still. Yeah. Well, what was really cool on Friday with Donovan guiding was, you know, he would come into your house and, and chat with you or whatever. And he came into my house and I had my mega live down my first time using it up there. Cause I bought it right after last year's trip up there. And I, I mean, I used it over the summer, so I kind of know how to use it. I have a, I have a pretty good idea, like 70%, right? And he's like, I asked him um, some question. I can't remember what I asked him. And he said, well, let me just come in. He went in, he grabbed my settings and just is like, here's what I do. He's like, oh yeah, you don't have your sensitivity up. Turned that up, turned up the contrast. He's like, here you go. You're good to go now. And then. Don't you love when people just take control? Cause it's like almost just, you just do it for me and then teach me what I'm doing wrong. Yeah. He's a hummingbird guy. Yeah. That's what he uses. So I was like, I know this guy knows what he's doing. Um, and then he came back a little bit later and we had set up the house by that point. And Steve and I were in there and we had caught fish, but we weren't killing it. We were, we were missing fish. We, we were seeing them and we weren't catching them. And he happened to walk in while a fish was on the graph. And, you know, he, <laughs> Donovan's funny cause he's not, he's not like super gentle, but he's also not like a jerk. But, you know, if he sees, if you're not doing it right, he's going to tell you. Yeah. In no 
uncertain terms. So um, it happened to be Steve, who was my fishing partner, Steve, who was trying to who was trying to get this fish in. And uh, you know when when a walleye comes in, right? You always want to raise your bait, right? Having them come up at your bait. So the fish was coming in. It was looking at his bait, and Steve was raising it up. And Donovan's like, "No, no, no! You're not. You're it's, you're not, you're doing it not aggressive enough. That's the problem with people. They come up here and they're not aggressive enough. They just don't get it." So he takes the rod out of Steve's hand, <laughs> and he's like. When that fish comes in, as soon as it comes in, bang the tip, like jig it hard. Yeah. And then as soon as you get their attention, you are racing them up to the top. You want them to you, get to chase it. He said, these fish are used to chasing down shiners, chasing down whatever bait they are. You know, they're, they're not like shopping. They're, yeah. they're aggressive. They're, they're hunting, right? So... So the fish came in and he jigged it really hard and the fish started to come up and he literally just raised his rod all the way up and the fish came and just annihilated the bait. It was so cool to watch. And Steve and I, as soon as he left, were like, okay, well, we weren't doing it right. Now we know. And that's my fourth year there, right? I've been well, there for th- four you years. You think you would have got it by now, Dan? It's, but the thing <laughs> is, just, it's, just, you're just, just so used you. to it oh, not yeah. being that way. I mean, Tom and I were on... Lake of the Woods two weeks before then. And if you saw a fish and you, you know, coughed while you were jigging, the fish would swim away. Yeah. It's a very different body of water. So it was, that's a guide, right? Having the, having yep. him come into your house and show you that. That's what you, that's what you're paying for. And realistically, it's probably just easier to grab the rod, show you exactly what to do versus like, Hey, jig a little bit more aggressive. Yeah. It's like drop shotting or wacky rigging. It's like here, with a wacky rig, cast it out. Don't touch it. Mm-hmm. And people don't really, they'll try to mend the line. And it's just don't touch it. You know, it's a very different thing. Yeah, it was really neat. It was, it was, and it worked. As soon as he left, we're like, okay. And then the, our hookup percentage went way through the roof after that because, yeah, just get aggressive. Just be more aggressive than you think you need to be. Mm-hmm. And what baits were you using up there? So I caught almost all of my fish. I brought it in. Because it was so dynamite. It, it is the uh, Live Target Golden Shiner Glow. This bait. I, here. Have you ever had one of these before? Um, hey, they're like really expensive. Thirteen ninety nine. I'm not allowed to purchase any more lures this year, so I do have a couple of these. Well, those are expensive. <laughs> and they're hard to find. They don't have them at Cabela's for whatever mm. reason. I they, had to get them at Shields. They have them at Shields and they have them at Reeds. Yep. I uh, happened to get one at Shields over winter break. Actually, I got three of them at Shields over winter break. I have a rip and wrap, almost the same color from the first generation rip and wraps that came out. And, and it, it was dynamite. Here's the deal. In Last year, games. I sat next to Steve with a golden rip and wrap and he had the golden live target and he outfished me five to one. Really? I, 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 couldn't, it, I could not match what he was doing. This year, we both had that and crushed I don't, and Larry, you were using the same one. I was, oh, you were using the bigger one. I was using the bigger one because I was assuming everything needed to be big. So I bought the, it worked great. Yeah. Okay. And they inhaled it. wonder what, because yeah. okay. they look very similar to a rip and rip. Oh, very much. Like, but the, I think rattles, the, the rattle's I, different. I, uh, I, different kind of bead. Are they Canadian rattles? No, this is an American <laughs> thing. Just kidding. I think. I don't know exactly. Yeah, they would go. A. <laughs> a. <laughs> yeah, yeah, A. It has a, it has a, a higher pitch rattle. Yeah. It's almost like a maraca. I wonder if it's a different frequency thing with, okay, so the fish 
are in tune to a different frequency being shallower water and more noise. Like a rip and rap is kind of a... It's like a thud. Yeah. Yeah. You know what it sounds like is a cotton cordell. The, I, you might remember the those. Spot. The spot cotton cordells. That's like almost a glass rattle. Yeah, I don't. It's way. It has way more rattle than a rip and rap does. Yep. Way more. But cotton cordels used to be like that. And certain babies, and oh. I'm not ripping any manufacturer. The hooks are they, sharp. In time, they they denigrate. They get smaller and lose their ability to make more noise. Sure. Okay. Let's cut this baby open. <laughs> yeah, all right. Put down your twenty dollars bill before yeah, you do yeah. that. No, I was using the bigger one because that's what I, I thought I was supposed to have, and I couldn't <clears throat> I couldn't find that except. So would you guys put a head on there <clears throat> on, on here then, or just I left mine blank, just plain. No, I I put a head on mine, and I left mine clean like that. It was yeah that were, that bait really performed. Um, I, mine I can't even tell Larry that's that's a brand new one, but my other one might have been slightly bigger. It's still tied onto my rod at home. Um, so that one caught the vast majority of the fish, but most of the big fish. So I think in our group, we had like five or six masters, which is 28 inches or more. Most of them came off of the big pelican spoons and my biggest fish, which was a 27 came off of a purple waterfall pelican spoon, which is like a really Canadian spoon. It's like, that's, it's a Lake Winnipeg spoon. That's the reason why I look different by the way. So still no 30, no 30 for me yet. No, no 30 either. for me. Hey, I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah, same here. I'm okay same with here. it. So I I made a deal with my wife that... Oh, that should have made a deal with the devil. <laughs> no, yeah, if Dan, I, that, that's a terrible idea. No, my wife is not the devil, guys. <laughs> I made a deal with my wife that if I caught my personal best fish up there, I would shave my mustache. Because uh, she, was, she was sick of it. Okay. And I, I wanted to have a reason for her to cheer for me. All right. right? So, okay. so she could be excited for me. She's sending you texts every hour. Did you catch a Did big you get one? one yet? Yeah. So, all right, here, I want your opinion on this. Mm-hmm. This is, so I, I made a similar bet with my wife, but I, we're not, maybe we, I can finally discuss this because my wife might go back on the bet, but she doesn't listen to the podcast anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> so my deal with her was if I caught my personal best walleye, I would shave my, my, my face. If I caught a 30 inch, I would stay shaved through June. I didn't catch a 30 inch. So I do have so the ability to regrow. You literally just shaved it off and you're going to grow it back out. I'm going to leave it like this for a while. It actually feels really different. Like my lip feels like, like it's like colder. I have only shaved my beard beard off twice in 10 years, so I know exactly what you mean. Mine, June 14th, 1982. That's the last time you didn't have a beard? Yes, sir. Well, next year, if you get yourself a 30, maybe you'll have to go bare. <laughs> I my say ki- we go. My kids, Jillian wouldn't remember me without a, without it. My okay? daughter so hates two me. years old, you know. Yeah. My kids were hilarious because I, uh, so my goal, or what I wanted to do was I wanted to go to the Walmart in Selkirk and buy mm-hmm. a, a beard trimmer and shave it up there and surprise them when I got home. But the Selkirk... Just shave it with a knife like a real man. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Come on. I've, straight you've razor. seen me shave here in the shop. The Selkirk um, Walmart closes at 10 p.m. I was like, what? So I went there at like 10.15 and they're like, yeah, we're close. I'm like, we're not in America, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then I thought it would be funnier just to come home and and shave uh, in front of the kids. And 
my kids were hilarious about it. I had to do what my dad did when, when he shaved his mustache and just <laughs> just shave half of it. Oh, that's the Do you remember word. when dad did that, Tommy? Mm-hmm. I'm, when my dad did that, when I was probably four, I, I, I cried. I thought he was serious. But I did that, and my kids were, like, dying. It was I don't know if he did it on purpose, though. I think because he went – that the story I remember is that he went to the – the oldest barber in St. Paul it was like an old, old man who was like shaking with the clippers as he was coming at him and he shaved off one of his eyebrows yeah, halfway through the haircut and he's like, different. got up and left and said, okay, I'm done. That's, that's a different story. That happened to him on prom day. Oh, no. Yes. Wow. Yes. That's a prom story. He went to, he got his eyebrows shaved off the day of his, of his high school prom. I thought that was when we were kids. No, no, that he, but he did shave his mustache half off. I was like four, and I remember being afraid of that. Anyway, so my kids told me I look weird, and I like I agree. My students at school were a little nicer, but I know what they were thinking. They thought the same thing. Anyway, so I want your opinion, Larry and John and Tommy, if you have it. And <laughs> Tommy, if you have an opinion, grow it back. Wow, grow it back. And uh, and this would be interesting in the in the comment section. Actually, we're going to use this as the giveaway. We're going to use this for the giveaway. What are we giving away? We're giving away. So we, uh, if you remember. Dan's mustache of, sweepings. <laughs> a couple of uh, episodes I, ago. I got an idea <laughs> about this giveaway. We're going to make you shave with Razor's ice auger blades and see if you can shave cleanly with them. Ooh, I don't want to try that. I'm <laughs> sure it would work. I would. But that's a good tie because we are giving away another Razor ice auger. Yes. And we're going to use this, uh, this question that I have as. Because uh, you got to use your Razor ice auger. I did get to use my Razor. And, uh, and you need bigger batteries for your drill. I need, well, it's, when it's 16 below, that makes well, sense. Well, and here, well, I'll <clears> do a little asterisk. So I learned something about the bigger Milwaukee batteries. Mm-hmm. The bigger ones like the 12s and the eights and stuff actually are better for cold weather because they're just built for cold weather yeah i had an eight i had an eight a big like eight. a new a newer eight mm-hmm. okay yeah you still i mean it's also it's probably the most the coldest temps it would ever it was see. cold it was really cold um so we're giving away another razor john yeah. tell us which one we're giving away this time i knew you were gonna ask me that i well, wrote then it you down. should have had it pulled well up. i see i wrote it down but then i you gotta anticipate these things anticipation yeah Searching. Oh. Eight, eight Searching. inch ultra synthetic. Oh, oh, that's what I got. What the? I'm having issues with my phone, but it is going to be a six inch razor ultra. Six inch razor ultra. I think that's a synthetic one too, isn't it? Yes. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be giving away another uh, a razor. We gave away two of them last time. And uh, six inch. What did you say again? Six inch razor ultra? Yeah. My phone is. What did you do? I don't know. I, I'm, you know, when you think you know how to do stuff, it's great. Okay. So we're giving away a six inch razor ultra and we're going to give it away. I'm going to pick a winner based on the comments to this question that I'm going to post. I'm going to ask here and then I'll post it again on Facebook. So you guys can, uh, you guys can check it out there. Um, let's, uh, let's tease it huh, Tom. Should we tease it? Are we, is it too early to break? What, what, what kind of question Te- are you asking? What do you, what do you want? To, what, what do you want? I don't know what you're asking me. I'm asking, should we like, uh, at, like I'm teasing it now and then we go to break and I come back and actually ask oh, the question. Sure. Yeah. Want, should we do that? Or should I ask the question now? And then you guys answer it after break. I don't know what the question is. So. You've been talking too much. We need <laughs> I a break because I, I have to go to the bathroom. And I want to hear from Larry a lot more. Yeah. So I'd like to finish up my talking piece. 
I want to get done with my piece. Okay, I'm a, well, I'm just a, go I'm commercial. a good listener, guys. I know, I know but, but we didn't bring you on to be a listener. <laughs> I want to be a listener. All right. Did you eat paint chips today? <laughs> Why? <laughs> He's like Samson. He shaved off all of his brains and the mustache. Hey, now. <laughs> Why didn't you make a jig out of it? I should have like, Aaron, like, a, fly, like a fly rig. Remember yeah. Weeb did that and he caught yeah. a muskie on it? Well, that, okay. Also, the muskies up there are a whole different breed. They're like, oh, sweet, something falling through the water. I'm going to go eat it. <laughs> it's not like Tonka muskies that, you know, have glasses and have seen every cowgirl in the, the mm-hmm. North Metro. Yeah, that's a thing. That's a thing. All right. Um, so let's go to break. We'll come back. I'll ask the question. That'll be our giveaway that we'll look for responses from on our Facebook post. And uh, we'll be back. I want to hear a lot more about Larry. Larry, you had a big special episode of your uh, Real Talk Outdoors on Sunday, too. Mm-hmm. I'd like to hear yeah. more about that and uh, and the changes, yep. the big change. Big change. Big change. Another tease. Let's take a break. We'll be back shortly. everyone this is dan from the iceman and i get to come talk about our sponsor tuned up custom rods winter is in full swing right now and it's time for you to save yourself 15 percent off your purchase at tunedupcustomrods.com use the promo code iceman you can get yourself one of the custom ice rods one of the in-stock ice rods or maybe you're already starting to think about spring and start looking for some of those open water rods tunedupcustomrods.com is the place to go remember use the promo code iceman to save yourself at checkout and if you're looking for the hottest plastics on the ice check out freedom baits hand poured high quality locally made plastics check them out at freedombaits.com they have new models coming up new colors all kinds of stuff and spring is just around the corner and that is my favorite time of year to use plastic use the code icemen for 20 percent off on your order and we have maluna Maluna, the best coolers in Minnesota, high quality, rotomotive, affordable coolers. Uh, independently verified. Independently verified that they were the best in Sorry, Maluna. Dan sprung that on me. I was not prepared. I really like my Maluna coolers. I do me too. too. They're kind of like a, now a display at the shop right now because I can't put them back in my garage. But you still got your 22 at home. I love my 22. I just don't love that it's bright teal. That's good. You made your dog Why not? Because I just, it's, for me, the bright teal just, uh, doesn't go with the truck anymore. I did kinda, you guys? Did I you guys see? A one. There's a girl like in I want to say Minnetonka or Wayzata was in the newspaper for her parents spent over three thousand dollars so that she could get every single possible color of Stanley Cup. No, but I did just see that it's somebody, like a sixteen year old girl is like, come on. I or, did see somebody get arrested for having like eleven thousand dollars worth of I, Stanley Cups in their car. They were all stolen. Yeah, though. they stole them from <laughs> Targets. Yeah, I have a Stanley Cup and. Everyone's like, why do you even own one? I'm like, I've had it for a year and a half now. That style, though? Yeah. Like the popular style? Yeah. I bought it when it was, the only reason is because it fits like a large Coke or a large Diet Coke from McDonald's. And when you're driving, I don't like to have like the like the camelback. So you go like this and you cover your entire windshield for whatever, 10 seconds. Well, the reason I brought that up is I think that you should have every possible cooler combination of Maluna. What do they have? Five colors and seven coolers? Yeah. I think that's cheaper than the Stanley's, <laughs> yeah. though. I think so. I think you're right. And they'd be a lot more functional. 
I've got the original Stanley Thermos. Thing is legit. I have one. From Liz's dad. You probably have a Stanley laying around, don't you, Larry? Oh, a couple. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, I'm sure Dave's go back forty plus years. Oh yeah. Okay. They got camo tape on them, and yeah, he has three of them. Are right. all the original thermoses uh, stainless? Or are they some of them well, glass? It, some were glass. Yeah. They were lead you, back remember, in the there day. Were, <laughs> there was thermos brand, and then there was Stanley. I brand. meant like Stanley. Was Stanley always my, stainless? My Stanley was, it goes back to 70-something, too. So that was stainless. Stainless, yeah. I, I remember throwing my dad's nice old thermos out of our deer stand and it hitting the ground and just pow, shattering. Really? Yeah. I don't remember that. That's because they were glass. The glass yeah. bottles. In yeah. There. Our lunch funny. boxes had them and... I was talking to my daughters at home and I said, you guys need to, we need to come up with the next big water bottle. We need to come up with the next one right now. And I think I got it. Okay. Here's what I'm going to do. I want to bring them back. I just got done watching back to back uh band of brothers in the Pacific. Mm-hmm. One of those old world war two army thermoses or army uh, canteens. canteens. Those things are rad. Mm-hmm. You have one, don't you Tommy? Mm-hmm. I think we should bring back like a like a wine skin, wine like a, mo- would be a cool. modern day wine skin. Those army thermoses though, or army it's like, the, it's like the original Camelback. They They're have never going to fit in a cup a holder. You in don't your need truck. a cup holder because they have a sling. It's got a, <laughs> its own little sling that you just rip, put around your shirt. This is why you're not a designer at Stanley. <laughs> this is why you're not going to make a million dollars, John, because you're not going to buy into this project. Fifteen thousand right now gets you in. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so what you tease some stuff, Dan. Yeah, what are you going to tease? Because now this this has been derailed. Okay, so here's my 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 predicament. I told my wife I would shave uh, my mustache and the terrible beard that happened to grow at the same time. It wasn't if, a beard. It was just it was like my backyard's It grass. was just dirt. It was <laughs> like the wind blew and just got topsoil stuck to my face. Um, I told her I'd shave if I caught my personal best um, walleye, and I technically didn't. But I want to know if you think that it was adequate or if it was appropriate to shave. That's what you were teasing? I, well, here's, I want a yes or so no question. So you lied to your wife? No, I want a yes or no question Okay, well, how, how, how do you get out of this one? I want you to tell me if I caught my personal best walleye or not, because technically in one measurement, it's not the personal best. But I want you to tell me if you think that. What one measurement? So my longest ever walleye was 27 and a half inches. It was caught on Lake Minnetonka in July. And the thing was about as big around as a Stanley thermos. It maybe weighed. The 40 ounce or the 30 ounce? It maybe weighed four <laughs> pounds. Oh, so okay. it, was, it, was, it was dying. It was, I've seen, I've seen 19 inch northerns that are thicker than this thing. But it was 27 inches long, or 27 and a half inches long. Okay. Okay. So that's technically the longest walleye I've ever caught. This weekend, I caught a 27-inch on-the-nose walleye that had to have weighed close to nine pounds. Anytime you have to use the word technically, then... Then it's not your personal best. Yeah, I would say the twenty. I would rather have a 27-inch. If there's any qualifiers... That's a personal best. You know, I go personal best. It might not be the very longest but it might be the very best well that you and tommy are not saying the same thing you just said the longest that's what i'm saying which is the bigger fish 
the nine pound 27 inch or the four pound 27 and a half inch because most people quantify their long their biggest fish for walleye by length most people don't measure by weight that is true so but that that's in the 2000s prior to the 2000s it was all weight it was all weight yes dan you caught your biggest walleye so <laughs> professional fisherman larry hansen says that i, I was, saw the i saw the picture I, okay. it was appropriate for me to shave yeah john what do you think oh, absolutely mm-hmm. okay tom you were not on board you said it was not my personal best i don't like the qualifiers you should have just left it well, you didn't want me to shave. You <laughs> liked the mustache. No, I, I think you should have just left the mystery. You should have just said, yeah, I caught my personal best while I shaved my mustache. It was awesome. No, because when you have a personal best, you mm-hmm. want to brag about it. You want to talk about what you caught. Okay, Dan. We'll just say hypothetically, 10 years ago, I went musky fishing with a buddy of mine, and I told my wife that I would stop fishing for two months if I caught a 50-inch musky. Right? I tempted the fish gods. That's what I said. Sure. I caught a musky. We measured it. It measured 49 and a half. Now, we didn't pinch a tail. We didn't let it relax, nothing. We just put it on the bump board, said 49 and a half, took a picture and released it. Was that a 50 or was that not a 50? We both went to our, I mean, we haven't said anything. Well, I think the gods got you back by there. Like, well, this guy's going to have to open up a rod shop and he won't get to fish for even longer than two months at a stretch. That's what it was. Karma. (laughs) You got karma hard. (laughs) I rubbed the rod, Genie. Yep. Well, so I, I but but no the, no, you would have had okay. There is no rule unless it's whatever. Yeah. yeah. Well, so the you problem was, you, it was if you didn't super, pinch it. It was that's super fine. cold, and we yeah. were trying to get the get fish released because literally it was you know like fourteen degrees. We had to bust ice to get. There was a little bit of ice in the lawn. We had to get. Uh, we didn't want to harm any fish, and this was the biggest of the day. Okay. The one I caught on Minnetonka, we didn't measure like we cared. We measured quick and got it back. Probably because it was, you know, this big around. It was either needing to feed or qu- quietly going away. So here's how we're going to do the giveaway. I'm going to post on Facebook both pictures, both fish. I knew they're going to vote. And I want, I want comments on, the, on, the, on, the, on my post of which one is the personal best. So I'll, I'll number them, one and two. And you guys, the audience will choose which one they believe is the bigger fish. The Real longer subtle one? way to get everyone to look at your fish, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, man. This is a great giveaway. Real I subtle. I want, people to, I want people to have a chance to win Razor Ice Auger. So you comment on the post if you think one or two is bigger. One is the longer one. Two is the heavier one. And I'll pick a winner. One of the, we'll randomly pick one person who comments, and that person will be the winner of a brand new six-inch synthetic ultra. You think it would, the 27-inch out of Lake Winnipeg would have came up through a 6-inch hole? <laughs> it would have been real tight. But it probably would have came up there. It would not have been able to turn around. It would be like me going to a McDonald's play place right now. <laughs> like, could I get down the slide? All right. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> would the slide collapse on the way down? <laughs> probably. probably. <laughs> would he get herpes on the bottom of the, the ball pit? Probably. <laughs> You mean leave it there or get it from there? <laughs> no, well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Either way, you're getting it. Yeah, gross. Uh, okay, th- so that's my tease. Thank you all for Don't playing. Those play places where every, all the kids disappear. They like fall in the ball pit. And you know, ever seen those? Uh, my kids, when we had a, the one in Rogers that had a play place, we used to go there all the time. They loved it. We had so much fun, and then they redid it. And now it's stupid. They made everything safe. Remember? Yeah. Sh- remember they uh, made everything safe. Larry, your backyard. Um, 
the shovel park, uh, Elm Creek Park Reserve. Yeah. How great was that park back in the day? Fantastic. You risked your life going to that park. Absolutely. And, and you know, the bike path, that is not on flat ground. No. I, I, would, I would rollerblade it. Yeah, that place was legit. Mm-hmm. And now they've... Remember the zip line? Yes. Yeah. The zip line was so cool. And you, and you would just you get to the bottom and there'd just be like this rope with all this hard plastic holding it together. Knots this <laughs> yeah. big. Yeah, right. Do you remember the metal wheels of death? So it was a rope net. My daughter, when <laughs> she was younger, I put her, you know, because they're the generation where everything's bubble wrap, but we were at a park. My son was playing baseball and there was one of those old school, you know, solid steel metal rail, uh, I don't know, with, with the circle of death is what we called it. Yeah, just Are you talking about like merry the merry-go-round? Yeah, merry-go-round. Yeah, but it was just the, the small circle one where you could yeah. just run around it. So yes. I, I did it, and then she sat in the middle, and I ran around as fast as I could, just kept pushing her. Well, she ended up like peeing herself because there was too much centrifugal force, and she couldn't get off, and then she puked. <laughs> you ever seen the, guy, <laughs> like, the videos where the guys put their motorcycle, on it? Another motorcycle tires against oh. it and run it up? It's ridiculous. Or where they like wrap a uh, uh, toe strap. Yeah, I've seen toe, toe strap, strap and then they rip off of there with a truck. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. And you're just like, that guy's just, he, he's not going to survive this. No, he's going to puke no. or he's mm-hmm. going to get a concussion from the just Con- centrifugal force. Yeah. Getting catapulted out. <laughs> that place was, you had to learn how to live in that place. You survived the shovel park. You yeah. survived Elm Creek Park Reserve. That's right. Nowadays, everything's got to be You got to look for danger there now. You got to invent your own danger. Mm-hmm. So, Larry, you had a big week on your show, Real Talk Outdoors. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you kind of walk us through? With, uh, you had a big change. Uh, you guys did a great job promoting it, but I'd love to hear from you how it went, how the show went. Uh, tell us what happened. And Okay. First off, uh, if you don't know who Mark Fisher is, he's in the National Fishing Hall of Fame and the Minnesota Fishing Hall of Fame. Also is Tom Newstrom, who is also one of the hosts with me on the show. But Mark... Uh, 22 years with Rapala. There's not a Rapala that you own unless it's an original floater that he didn't design. Uh, so just that alone. Um, the hard part for me was I've known Mark since I was five. Okay, so I, I have some life investment in this. Mm-hmm. And and at Christmas time, he called us up and said he's going to retire and that was a shock to me because it's it's a friend, it's a mentor, it's a teacher, it's a. I can't explain it. It it hit me hard. Yeah, there's some emotions for me on the show. I can't help it. I'm not, I'm one of those guys, but anyway, um, yeah, he got to say goodbye. So when Fairfax went away, he never got to say goodbye and thank you to the fans. Okay, so he's been doing it for 31 years. And after 31 years, he, yes, he deserves to, to um, retire. Yeah. Wouldn't you think? You know? Absolutely. So anyway, um, the fun part, you guys had him on your show. I've been around him forever. And then on Bear Facts, I started with them in 2012. And then as time gets later in, you know, like in 17 or so, I started becoming a co-host when one of those guys were gone. So... Uh, for me, sitting next to Mark now, even though I've known him a long time and he's taught me a lot of stuff, sitting next to him, when you get him going on how a lure is made and what goes through it, this guy, not only, he thinks like a fish. Okay. 
his last name is Fisher. <laughs> but but nonetheless, it's it's so interesting of what he had to go through from concept on paper to be made out of wood, to be painted by hand, to get the right bill, the right action, da 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 da. There's no one this isn't coming off a machine somewhere, CNC. This is all he's in his garage sanding, da 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 da, getting it the way he wanted it. He perfected neutral buoyancy. It was there, but he perfected it. And um, just all these things I'm going to miss because he was so, I'm sitting next to him and he's using, you know, it's like, no, you can't, they can't see our hands moving or our smiles or our, our face inflection and all that stuff. When you sit next to a guy like that and he's explaining stuff, it was so cool for me. And everybody listening to was how this guy could explain stuff, number one. Okay. He's, he was great at it. Plus, he's the professor. That's what I called him at the end. Okay. The mm-hmm. professor. Um, but such a nice guy. Great guy. Um, won a lot of money in the bass world. Um, probably one of the best multi-species fishermen that ever in Minnesota. No ifs, ands, or buts. But yeah, we're going to miss him. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was maybe your most impactful episode, John, when we had Mark on. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, probably. You geeked out pretty hard. Yeah. Well, it was like talking to a guy that his brain worked like mine. And Dan will attest to that. There's sometimes I go like, I'll be talking to a customer and they'll ask me a question and I'll answer with 10 minutes of information. And the customer will just blankly look at me like, I don't even know how to download or process this. <laughs> we used to have a, ta- and a, a term for it. It was called Dave Lozier because we had a web guy that would send an email. I mean, it was words, but nothing would make sense. So you had to have someone translate it for you because it was all in web terms if you're on ice fishing um i'm sorry in-depth outdoors forum dave Lozier posts on there yep every once in a while and go go search for him and you'll be able to see and it's just mark fisher was that way like he would like people don't realize like i know larry and i talked about the dt series you know going from a dt6 to a dt10 right everybody goes Mm -hmm. oh there must be some magic formula there's not Mm -hmm. it's it's an art you know and same way with fishing rods. People don't realize like, oh, going from a 36-inch rod to a 32-inch rod. Oh, it must be just a formula. Nope. It's a little bit of an art, a little bit of magic, a little bit of hope, a lot of prayer, mm-hmm. and a whole lot of work and dedication. Well, that's, that's super exciting for him. I'm mm-hmm. glad that he was able to make that choice. Yeah, yeah. And um, remember, I wouldn't be there if it wasn't for him. Yeah. Okay, so when I called in on 2012... Um, and he told me when they started in 93, I could call in at any time. I never did. I didn't think it was right. I think because it was a friend. I think there was other people that should be calling in and not me. And then uh, Sue and I are, it's the second weekend, the opening. Okay. And uh, because I'm not around all the time, especially what I do, and once spring starts through November, I'm really not around, okay? Yeah, I'm home, but that doesn't mean much. I'm in my boat or I'm doing something. Sure. And Sunday night was was the time for us to connect, and we sit on our on lawn chairs, 
looking to the west, having a glass of wine. And I'm not going to say what ticked me off, but a, a caller called in that ticked me off. Now, he, he didn't come up with a, a stupid thing to those guys. There's just, I'll tell you, off. <laughs> I go, I grabbed the phone, so he's going, what are you doing? I'm calling in. She just stared at me <laughs> after all these years. And she's listened to it because she's had to, all right? Mm-hmm. And um, I call in, and they introduce me, and it is uh, Brian. His name was Brian, not Brandon. And he just says, hey, Larry's on the phone, blah, blah, blah. And I start talking, and Mark goes, whoa, is that you? <laughs> I said, yeah, it's me. And we had, I had a conversation with him and, him and Larry Bullock. And Tuesday comes along. That's on Sunday. So Tuesday, my phone rings, and it's Mark says, hey, would you call in on, on Sunday? I said, well, it's Memorial Weekend. Well, could you call in? Okay, is 8 o'clock okay? Yeah, second hour is good. I did it. Then Tuesday comes, and he just says, would you just call in? Okay. I mean, yeah. Okay. So what happened was I didn't come on as a know-it-all. I, can't, I, I approached it as I got two guys that are in the National Fishing Hall of Fame and the Minnesota Fishing Hall of Fame. Let me ask questions from the regular folk, like, and let them two dissect it. And that's how I didn't come on as a know-it-all. I knew the question. I knew the answer. But just that's how it all worked, and it worked out great for me. Yeah. So... When he when he said he was done, it hit me right where it counts. Sure. So. So moving forward, then, do you guys have a plan of change of format or? No, it'll be me and Tom. So just carry on. It. Carry on, yeah. Good. So and we've had a bunch of people say you two are going to be just fine. Don't worry about it. Oh yeah, so. for sure. You guys that definitely have the chemistry. Now now you get so. to tell him, hey, uh, eight o'clock, can you call in? Yeah. <laughs> no, but it, it was it was for me it was a blessing, guys. I can't say enough for Mark and what he's done for me. And um yeah, everybody has somebody like that in their life at some point that uh becomes a I I can't say enough. I could I can call him anytime I want. He I will still be fishing next spring, summer, you know, but um this quality of person and this intelligent guy that can explain anything. Did he draw anything for you guys when he was here? Uh, well, I was, he had a notebook when I was on uh, mm-hmm. RTO. He had a notebook mm-hmm. and what he was yeah. drawn. Like, I'm like, this is, somebody should just like publish all these. I, mean, I don't, I don't think he drew anything when you he was He was here. drawing a lure and I'm like, that that's like. Yeah. Most wildest thing ever. Yeah, John got to, besides here, John got to be on the show a few times and sit next to him on the other side of him. And, and right? Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of eerie because I'm like, you literally cost me like a hundred grand in lures over <laughs> yeah. my lifetime. <laughs> I don't know whether I love you or yeah, I, yeah, right. My wife was a little nervous. She's like, you're meeting who? I'm like, can he sign all my lures? She's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have a big enough truck to bring him yeah. in. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, so he invented, the first one was the uh, X-Rap. And um, so there's Yari Rapala, and he was the last one. 
Okay, the last Rapala to be part of Rapala. Okay, that sounds dumb. But he's the one who took Mark because he figured Mark had the brains for it. That's why they hired him. And um, before it went to production, Yari goes to Mark, is there anything else you want to change? Anything. He looks at him and says, I want to put feathers on the hooks on the back. And that was what Yari was looking for. Did he see one more thing that he could have done? And that was part of the lesson. <laughs> yep. It and worked. It worked. And then he tells me, he says, never buy a pink one. When you know him as long as I have, he's saying, buy a pink one. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say, Whoa. Those are the ones, huh? <laughs> and I bought a pink one and on the first cast, and I'm, I'm at the docks of uh, the Bayview, and here it comes in, and it sits there. I'm watching it just sit there, and it's up out of the... Out of the abyss. That's exactly <laughs> what it sounded like, too. <laughs> came this came this 18-incher that just smoked that thing and went airborne. That's awesome. Yeah. On the, fir- on the first cast. First cast. Wow. Pink. I remember getting those. I knew he was jerking my chain. <laughs> How many were, pink ones do you have, John? Oh, do we want it? I have no idea. I a have, few. I have, yeah. A few. I have a box of... I have an idea for a giveaway. No. You want to give away John's lures? Yeah. That would be the worst thing we could do to him. But oh but God. pink is a color that gets overlooked by a lot of people. Well, if you ever look at a dead minnow floating in the water, oh, they're like whitish gray. I bet the pink looks very similar to that in a fish's eyes because mm-hmm. that kind of gross white cloud of dead minnow is, I'm sure it looks a lot more similar to a, a pink because a pink bubblegum spinnerbait was mm-hmm. my one of my favorite spinnerbaits for years. I know you like pink Senko. Yep, I sure do. I fish mm-hmm. a lot of those pink Ned rigs. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You have those too. Well, that's. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that uh, you guys had a chance to have a good farewell, and I'm glad you were able to get home in time for that because yeah. we were rushing home from Winnipeg. Yeah. So here's – so I, when we started the show, I said, hey, everybody, listeners, hang in there. I have a, a – I need your help. And, but I'm not asking for money, but I'm not going to a- ask until the end of the show. So now we get to the end of the show, and I said, I wish everybody right now at 8.30, because that's when I get home, please grab your favorite beverage, whether it's wine, beer, coffee, water, turn and face Anoka County, and toast Mark Fisher. I can't tell you how many people since two days ago have contacted me and thanked me for doing that. Well, they it, thought it was pretty cool. That's really cool. And they just, they just did it. And I've done it for years for a lot of different things. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, and Mark had a, I gave him a bottle of uh, Jefferson's Ocean Bourbon. I've never had any Jefferson's. Mm. It gets aged out on the ocean, okay? Out there for almost a year on a boat. So it goes through that hot and cold, what happens in the ocean. Interesting. Yeah, and this stuff is so smooth. Okay. Hey, uh, Dan, I'm going to be retiring from the podcast. Finally. I'd like a bottle of that. (laughs) Oh, I mean, congratulations. I'd like a bottle of that stuff, please. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So...
But it, but anyway, that's that's how we ended the show. That's pretty cool. And how was he? Was he pretty emotional? Or I was more than he was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes you're, he's prepared for it for for two years. Oh, he was yeah. probably dreading telling you. I bet. I could tell something wasn't right in October. But that's okay. Yeah. Oh, when it's time, it's time. Yeah. Well, Good just, thing he could do it on his own terms. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So I appreciate uh, that story, but I, I do have a couple of other questions for you, Larry, about our Winnipeg trip. Mm-hmm. So uh, and le- did you have anything else about Mark that you wanted to say nope. before we move on? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's awesome. I wonder what other lures are in his head right now. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? They're there. Just John, they're there. It, you know, There's no doubt in my mind that he doesn't have another 10 or 20 in his head and they're drawn out somewhere yeah. in, the, in the fissure. Well, it, you know, he's like a, like his drawings look like Nikola Tesla or something like that. They were mm-hmm. like, not really from this world. You're looking at him and you're like, what in the hell is that? Mm-hmm. And then like you could see the renditions and he'd be talking to you, drawing this. It's like mm-hmm. his brain was like separating and going on paper, but he's having a full conversation about something completely different. You know what I blame that on? He was a drummer, and he played in in some big major bands, traveled the country. A drummer has to use both hands and both feet. So yeah, he he. You see what I'm getting at? Yeah. People don't think of a drummer. All they see is arms going. Uh-uh. His feet are going just as hard as his in different directions. Yeah. You know, it's not like and, all you're just. And it could be the hi hat with the with the with the bass drum. It could be two bass drums. It could be whatever going on with his feet. I think that's why he can do what you just said. I think he talked about that actually. Yeah. Did he, he? Was on the show about about his music career, his music past. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting. He should write a book. I mean, I'll have to go back and listen to that episode again. That was a, that was rock a and roll and fishing or something. <laughs> Tom, how how quick can you find out what episode number that was? Mark Fisher. Pretty quick. <laughs> there's, there's there's a Google Doc for that. Do you have? Yeah. Do you, can you find it? I'm looking right now. I've oh. shared it with Tommy like 630 times. Tommy shared what with me? It's like talking to my kids. Take out the trash. What trash? <laughs> Damn, yeah, it's basketball. episode 44. 44. Okay, so if you guys want to go back and check it, it out, it was like uh, almost a year ago, Feb- February of last year. Really? I oh, I'm I sorry. Two, two, two years two, ago, yeah, February of 2022. Yeah, I thought it was two. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool. And he enjoyed it, guys. Oh, I would. I could sit and BS with him all day. Mm-hmm. That was a cool deal. That was a cool deal. So, Larry, when you went up to Winnipeg this time, you went as a client of a guide mm-hmm. versus what you usually do when you're fishing, being the guide yourself. Yep. How was that? What was that like for you? Um, when I go somewhere, I normally get a guide. If I'm not towing my boat to another state. I get a guide. So that wasn't a problem. Um, I kind of enjoyed it. But I could see the angst in Brad on the second day of what I'm going to call um, clients like to, 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 I call it, they take the rod out of my hand. Mm. They think that they know more than I do. And I'm never going to tell a guide how to fish. Ever, sure. ever, ever. I don't even really want them to know. But um, you could tell Brad was getting. You don't want them, you don't want them to know that you're a guide, right? Right. Yeah. Because it puts other it puts pressure on you. Well, it also probably puts a mental pressure on the guide a little bit. Just like 
I, 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 I think I think it would be the opposite. It would be more like, oh, this guy knows what he's doing. I, no, I don't no, need to take no, my no. I don't need to take my time with him. No. So I went into a uh, a rod shop like two three weeks ago, and I like didn't wear an article of tuned up clothing at all because it was I, I was there to buy something else. It's like I didn't even want him to know that I was who I am, just because it's like. Then it, I, I feel awkward. Mm-hmm. Like if I picked up a rod, I would feel awkward. I don't know, just me. We saw the pictures no. online. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's I didn't want to put any pressure on the guy. But I could see him get more nervous um, as the moves were happening because the fish weren't happening. And I'm just saying to myself, I'm not going to say a word, and I'm not going to take the rod out of his hand. Just let let him be, and then. It all worked out fine for, for us. So, um, were you thinking things in your head like, "Oh, I I could tell them this"? No, no. I talked out loud about what I might have done, but I, I I was just talking it out loud, not ripping him. Sure. No way, no way, because I've been under I've been under that pressure. Well, yeah, many and there's times. you know there's a hundred different ways to do the same thing too. And then just like on the first day, someone tells these people that I'm a guide. So Don, was it Dan? Was Don, it Dan? I don't know. I didn't. Donovan on the <laughs> he first had a t-shirt, day. T-shirt, Dan. I'm with the is, guide. <laughs> this is like two thirty on Friday afternoon. I was in the truck pulls up and he goes, "Hey, how's that Lake Minnetonka stuff going?" <laughs> oh, who told him? And then Brad on the afternoon of the the second day, he drives up and goes. You're the guy down Minnetonka. <laughs> yeah, I am. Yeah, I didn't not. T- I did not tell them. So I don't know. Me. I don't know who told them. So well, I mean, it everyone, doesn't matter. It's just that I wasn't. You, so. I was just trying to <coughs> just trying to be a client. Yeah, exactly. And listen to what they got to say and how they want me to do it. And and uh, I'm sure it's an interesting feeling though to be taking direction when you're used to giving. Yeah. It. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm going to say it's kind of like being a coach, and sometimes the kids teach you more than you're teaching them. Mm, maybe. Right? I mean, in that regards, like you're just trying to learn. I think it would oh, be like, yeah. so you're like, the a, whole co- thing, you're like a coach like that John, shows up at a game and gets randomly put into the game. Yeah, that's how I became a coach. <laughs> my my <laughs> whole thing of that trip was to learn. Mm-hmm. Nothing le- else. Le- just learn. learn. Well, because the strategy is very different. You're you taking mm-hmm. out two guys to go fish bass and talk in the summer, mm-hmm. and him trying to find reverse structure on the one of the biggest frozen bodies of water that is a mm-hmm. bucket list for most people. Yeah, and here's what's interesting about that too. I asked Donovan, "How big of an area, dude, are we fishing?" He said, "Larry, it's 15 miles by 15 miles." Hmm, that is so minute of Lake Winnipeg. That is nothing. That is just a drop in the bucket of this massive lake. And um, which let's that, let's, that, pause, let's pause for one second. My computer's going crazy right now. Look at this. I've never seen it do that before. And we're back. <laughs> okay, I think Are we? I, I think we're good now. Yep. So, anyways, Larry, <laughs> let's re, let's remanufacture this chemistry. Uh, I don't even know what we're talking about. We were talking about what it was like being being guided by a guide. Mm-hmm. Uh, John, you were using the example of a baseball coach. I mean, what, like, what, like I don't know. I think it would be like if you went and took a rod building class from somebody. 
I would absolutely take a rod building class. Like if you went and you like you went to some saltwater rod building company and to you wanted to learn how to build these weird saltwater rods or fly rods or something. And you'd be like, well, I already know how to make these, but I'm not an expert at them. So let's see how you do it. Cause maybe I can take something from them. Yeah. That would I be, mean, that would be a very good comparison. Or like I, I go and watch other coaches coach all the time. My wife goes, that's really, why would you do that? You know how to coach. And I'm like, no, I don't. I have no idea because guess what? The kids change every year. Stuff changes every year. You have no idea. You're always thrown into something different. I'm sure you're like that, Larry, too. It's like you're always doing something different. Always. Yeah, and you have to. It's a continuous evolution. Mm-hmm. Um, and just because working with one guy, it worked one time. I mean, I've heard of guides where they've dropped clients off back at the landing after an hour of fishing and said, I don't want to charge you anything. We're done as a relationship here. And I'm sure that stuff is a touchy subject and I'm sure, you know, you have clients that aren't very fun to work with either. Well, let's get into it. Have you ever dropped a, cu- a customer off on the, on the dock? No. Have you ever wanted to? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> this guy. Well, no. in 30 years, I'm sure that no. there's been people who have pushed there, you. There's, yeah, there's a very few, I've had very few jerks. The sad part is you remember them. For sure. It's the same as the customers here at the shop, right? I'll, I'll go through 500 that are awesome. It's that one guy mm-hmm. that texts me 32 times this week asking when his rod's going to be done. And I only respond to one text. It's not done. It'll, it should be done Friday. And then he'll respond, okay, how about tonight? I'm like, it's not done. You know, there's nothing I can do to make it go faster. No, no, no. But people are people. And... um but I'm still about learning. It never ends. No. That, that's what drives me to find out the pieces of the puzzle, a.k.a. Mark Fisher, the pieces of the puzzle. But it's infinite. You find one piece here, and there's still like four pieces over there that haven't been connected yet. Well, speaking of pieces that haven't been connected yet. So, but, <laughs> So I, I totally agree with you, Larry. And I, I actually like, I like going fishing with you. You know I mean? I, cause I fish everyone's, you know, it's like everyone fishes different. Mm-hmm. Everyone has their different motives and just going out. And sometimes it's like, if I go out fishing with a friend or, you know, you Larry, or it, it's, it's usually the last thing that was on my mind is to go fishing that night. It was 10,000 other things. I got baseball practice. I got this. I got that. Mm-hmm. I got shop duties. And it's like, I don't even remember to bring a fishing rod, which sounds crazy, but that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let me ask you a little bit about like guide etiquette mm-hmm. as a as a customer of a guide. Uh, I, Steve and I picked your brain about this at dinner on uh, Friday night, but I think it's interesting to talk yeah. about. Okay. So when people hire guides... They, I'm sure that there's very different reasons or various reasons why a person would hire a fishing guide, right? So you just let me know if this is, if this is accurate or not, but just, it's just from my guessing or from my perception, I'm guessing a lot of people hire fishing guides because they want to go out and have a fishing experience. Yes. Right. So they don't necessarily have a passion for fishing. Maybe they're not going to become actively actively uh angling they just want to go and have an experience yep okay is would you say that that's a large part of the people who you guide it starts out that way okay so then if they 
like they may grow into it or a lot of them choose to grow Mm -hmm. into it. Okay. So looking for an experience. Okay. Then I would imagine that there are a lot of people who hire a guide because they already are interested in fishing, but they want to learn a lake or they want to learn a technique or a species or something like that. Yes. And that, that's, that's has gotten even more and more and not spot specific, but when they're in my boat, I'm an open book. Okay. I don't care if I give away a spot. I try to explain to them and then, then with the locators uh, and the locators of today are much better than before because of color. Mm-hmm. I can break it down and show them what to look for. Take a screenshot of my map and look at the colors and why all of a sudden here's this little bump out. Okay, I'm going to use the word hard feature. That came from Mr. Fisher. So a hard feature is that bottom is never going to change. Okay, that is there. That little hook, that inside turn is always there. It's been there since the glacier left, right? So now we break that down. Is there rock, sand, gravel there? Is there weeds there? Or what more components can we put into that hard feature? And the more components you put into that hard feature, the more the fish are there. Sure. Okay, where people just go buy it. Okay. And there's still stuff today that I've driven by. I can't tell you since color how many times when I get home, I fire up my machine and look at the map. And just go over and over it and over it. And where I won $80,000 for minfish and where I won $115,000 for a diabetes camp in Iowa. Um, it's all because of the colors that we put in to the map. And the two spots are only... 60 yards apart but the one with the fifteen hundred dollars that i won there's an actual it looks like a golf club because of color green to red it makes a little bump out like that and what's it on it's just inside a point so it's got a lot of different things that would hold fish yep and depth was part of it so okay, that I would have not known that my locators from, because uh, I, I use this to, uh, uh, wall, uh, Twin Cities Walleyes um, uh, Incorporated. Anyway, um, I had the pictures of my same mapping, same spot from my, my 859 hummingbirds from, that, from 15 to my... Um, Helix 9 of 22. And they got to see the difference. Mm. Just because of, yep, there was color then, but because mapping even got more specific. Yeah, okay. it makes a big does difference. That, does that make sense? For sure. So I can show that to people of what, what, I'm, what we're fishing. Okay, instead of before, it's just gray lines and, you know, they're tighter and all this. But color makes it all pop. So when you have a guy hop in your boat, mm-hmm. can you tell if they're there for spots? Oh, yeah. If and if that's the case, what do you do? It's paying me. So you take him where there's fish? Yep. Maybe not number one spot? Right. Maybe number three spot or something? <laughs> I have to decide if I'm going to be fishing against him in a tournament in a couple <laughs> weeks 
or have you ever, have you ever had that happen? Like a competitor come and oh, yeah. hire you as a guide? Oh yeah, that mm-hmm. seems a little dirty. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, yeah, I got a spot open for you two weeks after our tournament. It is dirty. <laughs> well, most okay. most tournaments don't allow you to. I mean, big tournaments, I should say. You can't you can't fish the water prior. You're not supposed to get local knowledge, like for Bassmaster or MLF or whatever. Well, that yeah, that's a different story. You're not supposed to. I'm sure that they, but I'm also sure that they, all do, do. They, go, they all go low. But there's low. a big advantage to being able to sit in the boat with your competitor and see what they're going to be doing. The, they're, yeah, but, yeah, but they're, I, they're looking for spots. Okay. Okay, Larry. And then you still got to go fish the spot and you don't know if it gets burnt out. You don't know if people move the fish. I can go on and on what can happen. When you're fishing with a, a customer, mm-hmm. you're not, when you fish in a tournament, Versus when you're taking a customer out and trying to get them to catch fish, you're not always using the same tactics. No. Because you can't. No. Like, if I'm taking my kid out fishing, or I'm going with Dan, I mean, Dan's going to get the Zebco, my kid's going to get the baitcaster. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> Just kidding. Good choice. But, yeah, you can't but, take them flipping, flipping foil. You, you, you can't, can't have them, if they're not, if they're novice, they're novice. You're not going to mm. have them out there trying to no. flip docks with a... No. Bazillionaire, uh, Iowa. And I'm going to try to stay away from docks with people. Yeah. So Smart. I tried to do that. Uh, I didn't do that when I had Tommy and his friend out, and they hit a dock and got yelled at. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's going to happen. I hit a, a pontoon on gull with a one-ounce steel bullet weight. Boom. It was the loudest thing <laughs> I've ever heard in my life. And I was like, all I could do to just like turn my head, like the homeowner was right there. I mean, he heard his plainest day. Yeah. And I, I hit the, I mean, I hit okay. it pretty low, but... So you, I'm sure that you see people who you've guided in spots that you've taken them to. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you have because you've they, seen me do that. <laughs> and they and they wave at you, you know. But I can't worry. I can't worry about it. I used to. I don't worry about it anymore. There's so many spots. It's a big lake. Yeah, it's a, but it's all it's all been fished. Yes, I was going to say there's probably not one inch of Minnetonka. Right, that exactly. hasn't had at least one lure dr- drug through it. Mm-hmm. I'll hundred percent, hundred. And Larry has, you know, fished ninety eight percent of it already. But I, I, but I still here, guys. I still find stuff every year. Okay, I do have one question because this is going to bug me. Do you think lake bottoms change throughout the evolution of the lake? Yep. So I have a weird phenomenon that I, I was looking at Facebook pictures from along. 15 years ago where I had fished a lake that, and I it, like legit, it said 27 feet on my Vexlar at the time. That spot is now 22 feet. Mm-hmm. There's no way it can be 27 feet. The lake is not down five feet. It's down one foot. So no matter how I look at it, no matter how I think of it, it can't be that deep. My lake map from that same vintage showed that I had circled a spot that was 27 feet. That is all changed. There's somehow it's silted in. Somehow. It's a very soft, like yeah. brown, black muck. So I'm wondering if it just has it's evolved it, over time and kind of changed and, and leveled and out. It, and is it in a farming area or not quite? It's not farming as much. Okay. okay. Yeah. So then it's somehow it's silted in. Yeah. Something. But we've had a couple of high weird, water, weird, low water. Yeah. We've yeah. had high water, yeah. low waters has changed, but I swear the bottom is changing. I don't know softer. if you've seen that in certain Yo, yeah. lakes. I mean, Minnetonka, I always think of it as, you know, what, 50 lakes, right? They're yeah, all, they have yeah. different. You 24 bays, yeah. yeah. Each one is a lake into itself. 
But have you ever seen lakes where the bottom is starting to kind of evolve mm-hmm. in 20 years, 30 years? There's probably would, some would, sort of, I, would weeds do it or invasive stuff? Like, would they change the bottom if a bunch of weeds died and turned into muck well, at the bottom or something like that? Well, weeds are just like leaves. When they die, they come down. Yeah. Yep, and then it decays. Okay. And then if you're constantly nuking it, this is when you get your big glob of goo. Because it's now it's not naturally dead. It's chemically dead. And they're greasy and they're gooey and they're... So they're not going to break down like it would naturally. Sure. Could be there. So. Could be an underwater spring there or something too that's moving sediment around. Well, and th- this lake did. So there was a road that was paved over the top of it, and they had a little, yeah, like three inch drainage pipe. Well, one year it got a little overfilled and washed out the entire road drainage pipe and everything washed into the lake. So they oh, put that's a your answer. six foot, and this is on the opposite side of the lake. They put a six foot culvert. And now it's got running water because somebody up about two miles was digging their house and took they a steam and found an aquifer and it's been pumping water ever, ever since. since. That's your that's your answer. But it's on the opposite side. I wouldn't have thought it would have filled in, but the weed mm-hmm. thing that would that would make sense more than mm-hmm. anything. It just like lakes change. Mm-hmm. I mean, I look at my dad who fished gull when he was a kid, you know. Mm-hmm. 65 years ago and he's like oh this is a great spot for crappies we go there and he goes it's totally different i'm like well you know people make shorelines they change stuff they're doing you know these big money lakes where Mm -hmm. they you know homeowners pay right to have their beaches adjusted and stuff it's Mm -hmm. changed the bottom of the lakes it's changed the structure well i think it's interesting the idea of why people would choose to hire a guide, what they're trying to get out of it, and and how guides react to that. Okay, but but flat out, most of them are just coming. So let's just take Tonka. The first people I took were uh, as a pay, pay thing were from Germany. They didn't want to go golfing with my brother. They wanted to go fishing. My brother goes, "What do I do? Oh, can my little tournament walleye brother do this?" Yeah, and what they what they really enjoy now, because remember, where they are, there is public fishing, but a lot of Europe is private. You got to belong to a club who owns this chunk of stream to go catch carp. That are, It's not like here, okay? Um, they got to come here and see huge houses, boats, and fish. Yeah, Minnetonka okay. is an experience. And that's, aside from the and that's what most people are coming to do. And then I have so much repeat business, but I have people who, hey, who's a good guy? Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, through the years, I've been able to eliminate a lot of that. But 90% are coming to smile and have a good time. And you guys guided with me last year. And what were those people? You know, they were great. It was yeah. a lot of fun. And that, that's mostly what you get. It was so. stressful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It yep. was really stressful because the two guys that I had, I don't think really wanted to fish. Mm-hmm. They wanted to sit out there and drink beer. There you go. Well, and, I, and that happens but, on those corporate things. And, that's, and so. I was like, you guys can do whatever you want. But yep. I said, I'm going to put you on. Fi-. I mean, they both caught 
I don't mm-hmm. know, 25 bass a piece. They were having a blast. Yeah. Well, I had a great spot, and then this asshole came and parked right in front of me. Oh, yeah. A guy in an Alumacraft? Yeah. Yeah. That happens. So. That guy right there. I didn't park in front of you. <laughs> you I pulled got there right first. in front of me and kept casting. I would let you yeah. guys pull, <laughs> I'd let you guys pull in on me. As so. I slid down to 25 <laughs> feet of water, and we're catching them so deep that it was like, geez, they're just mm-hmm. not up shallow. Mm-hmm. I would think, to contrast your coach statement, that most of the clients that you have that actually kind of know what they're doing are just there for the local knowledge mostly. Right. Well, well yes. Local and knowledge no. and uh, techniques and what works cause, here. Cause a lot of them are, are professional people. Jeez. Well, time to get a new chair. John just well, busted right out of his chair. <laughs> I leaned back and the whole chair gave way. <laughs> and these chairs have been in a little trouble. All right. Lately. Sorry. You were, you were saying Larry, uh, Local you know, knowledge, or yeah, yeah, but um, you're paying me, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you what I got. Sure, okay, uh, that's and my main thing is I want you to come back. I don't care if it's two months from now or a year from now. I want you to come back. Yeah, and that's part of teaching. That's part of people being a people person. It's it's all the above. Being being a Safe boater first. Let's start there. Forget everything else. You got to be safe. Sure. Okay. So you don't want to put them in danger or yourself in danger. I think there's people that forget that first thing. That for me, that's always first safety. And then we'll go from there. So, and there's times you got to fish in the traffic of Minnetonka. You got to. Well, if they're up in a certain area oh, yeah, and there's John, 40 other boats, you just... Yeah, and you're in a traffic pattern where it doesn't stop, you know, it's Gull, 494. Gull Lake is my favorite. Memorial Day weekend, the Friday, about 10 p.m. There's 30 boats lined up and you get in your spot and if you're not PM? going... Yeah. And if you're not going 1.8 to 2 miles an hour, mm-hmm. you're either way behind or there's somebody on top of you because they literally troll around this bar mm-hmm. and just circle through yeah yeah it was i i did not realize how busy that lake was at 10 o'clock at night so let me ask you this question larry so you just experienced winnipeg for the first time yep. you spent two full days out there mm-hmm. uh, assuming i mean you may choose to come back on that trip with us in the future you're obviously invited to be a part yep. of that so i hope that you do come back yep. but let's just pretend that you decide to go back there on your own yep so you and Dave mm-hmm. decide, or Tom decide, you're gonna want you want to go back and check it out. Sure. Do you think you would hire a guide again, or would you try it on your own? Here, I never put a pin in my. Did you hit one? Mark on a waypoint. Yeah. No. no. Me neither. Why? Because I'm gonna hire somebody. This place right now for myself is too big and. First off, how do you get on it again? <laughs> I look. I went. I looked at an aerial map. You know, Google Maps yet last night. Every, every time I got off the water, I used my map to get back to the hotel. Okay, so. I, G, I GPSed back to the hotel okay. both times. Well, that's, you know, we were behind Donovan the first day, and we had to pull off to the side and let someone else buy because we didn't know how to get back. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, we could have done that, but it's just easier to follow somebody. What did so, you say? I, th- I don't know if the computer was breaking when you were saying this, but what was the area that we were fishing? 15 by 15? 15 by 15 is what he said. So we were fishing an area where he was he was fishing, like his his 
yep. business area is about the size of Mille Lacs. Right. Just slightly smaller than Lake Mille Lacs. Mm-hmm. And Winnipeg is 300 miles long. Yeah, it's, well, they got a cruise line on it. Yeah. You know. Hold up. They have a cruise line on Winnipeg? They sure do. Yeah. Why John, don't I, I'll go on a cruise on can, that. Like, there I, you go. I can be in my Illumicraft the whole time. My wife can be on the cruise. There you go. They have yeah. a commercial <laughs> fishery, too. Yeah. I know. There's a lot of Tobin's got a commercial fishery. Uh, a Tobin does? Yeah. They, they. I have a buddy who's a commercial wow. fisherman on I Tobin. I suppose. But, it's I mean, up in the middle of nowhere. It sounds like it's very, like, short window, small mm-hmm. season, but they commercially mm-hmm. harvest. Mm-hmm. Did you talk to him at all, Larry, about their summer guiding? Um. Donovan some and how he started. Um, and it was all reading uh, in Fisherman Catfish magazine. And then Brad elaborated on on both. Yeah, they're just starting to expand. They've been doing it for a couple of years, but they're starting to, to build their open water guiding business. They don't guide out of the same area. They guide about an hour and a half north of there. Uh, it sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I believe it. And they said... Oh, see, they never told me that part. It was just the river for the cats and some. Yeah, Donovan does the, the river because he stays local in, in Winnipeg, but his guides go up to this other location. I can't remember the name of it. It's on the western shore, and it's like an hour and a half north, and it's a resort town. There's a golf course. There's an event center. It's like people have their weddings there and such. Um, and he said... I was talking to Brad about it, and he said that you know, if you think if you think ice fishing is great, we go up there and we have hundred fish days every day, mm-hmm. and we might catch seven or eight thirties. And it's and they have like five guys in the boat, mm-hmm. and they only guide out of their boats. So if you go up there and guide through them, you have to be in their boat. Um, but it's jig fishing, and they talk about how um, you know um, saltwater guys have to deal with tides, mm-hmm. right? So up on Winnipeg, they have like a wind tide. I don't even know if they have a better name for it than that. But when the wind blows out of a certain direction, it'll literally push all the water out of a bay. It's big enough. And then when the wind changes, that bay will fill back in and you get tides or you get current from the moving, from the water refilling. I think all lakes have tides. They're just very Mm -hmm. small. Right. But I mean, this is like, yeah, but they, I like it's so long. I'm sure they just, it's kind of like if you took a straw in a bowl and you eventually blew all the mm-hmm. water, it would just stay in one spot. And mm-hmm. it's apparently a pretty significant water movement, you know, miles an hour. It's like the river, basically. It's like you're putting up with current. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. It sounds wild. It sounds really cool. Sounds like I would not want to bring my boat up there. Well, it's, you're not fishing. I mean, they're fishing in 19 foot boats, so you could definitely do it in your boat. Yeah, but I don't want to deal with getting my boat stuck because of wind or something. You know what I mean? Well, it doesn't <laughs> literally drain it. Uh, but, it, but like, okay, it depends on if you're fishing shallow or something, or if you underwater structure. Yeah, it sounds chal- different challenges. I, one of the guys in our group, um, Bruce, you, you yeah. uh, Bruce, went up there and, and oh, went through he? them last last year in October, and I asked him if he would ever go back with his own boat. And he said, "Yeah, no problem." But it's big water, you know, yeah, so it's, it's like huge water. if you get up there and it's blowing 20, yeah, yeah. you're going to be in the hotel that day. Mm-hmm. Ah, just send it. <laughs> send it to the bottom, maybe. <laughs> I've been in some real rough weather. I don't know about that. Lake. Well, I thought John goes from, I don't want to bring my boat up there to, ah, just send it. <laughs> yeah, he's a contradiction. That's <laughs> but for e- sure. Even the smaller lakes that are, that are connected to it are big lakes. All lake of the Woods drains into Winnipeg. 
Does you know it? That? Yeah, that's no. that's where Zoe Lake of the Woods water, water gets to. Mm. Next I year, didn't even know that Lake of the Woods was a flowing body of water. Do you, have you ever looked at like a map of Minnesota and Canada and just like taken all the cities away, all the highways away, and just looked at the water? It's insane. It's the most mind-boggling thing ever because it's like I bet one droplet of water that had you know is 10, 15 hours north flows all the way down. Sure. Like it's all it's all just looks like one giant river system. So it's a water cycle. Yeah, watershed district, right? One, yeah, right. One, one Ontario, giant, one really big one. Ontario, yeah, it's crazy. Manitoba, and we oh. think we can control anything. And how flat it is, you know, it is flat, man. You drove right past our cabin. No, we we, we, we got, got gas. We, we got gas in the uh, yep. at that uh, Donaldson, South Dakota or North Dakota. Mm-hmm. Take take a right. Thirty minutes here at our place. How, how was gas super expensive? Did you hold? Was gas super expensive? Not in America. Well, but you, did you guys up in Canada? Yeah, Tom put in. I didn't understand this. Hundred and thirteen point whatever. What is that? What what's that? I don't know what that. Yeah, means. it's like a hundred and sixteen cents per liter. Is, is that what it is? Yeah, that's how they measure it. So, so Tom put enough in for us to get to Drayton, and yeah, I never I never put gas in in Canada. Well, we we wouldn't have made it to the border. Yeah, you you got to so. Ford with the giant tank, so. Mm-hmm. Drive for a week on that. But did you get a McDonald's uh, Canadian breakfast sandwich? No. Oh, no, were, we had free continental breakfast up there. Last time really I went to was a can- nice breakfast. Yeah. Last time I went to Canada, I went to order, and they have one that has ham, Canadian bacon, bacon, cheese, and egg on it. On What's the difference biscuit. between ham and Canadian bacon? Very different in Canada. Canadian bacon's in the round circles. It's more like bacon, and then ham was just a big old slab of ham. It was so good. But it was like a $15 breakfast sandwich. <laughs> the, la- the first time I was up there, I ate at Tim Hortons, and it was gross. Yeah, I've had Tim, Tim Hortons, Hortons was gross. Yeah. So it didn't, hey, it didn't make it by Fleet Farm. Nope. <laughs> okay. Not in Brooklyn Park. No, nope, it didn't make they, it, their man. Donuts and coffee tasted burnt. It was gross. No. Yeah. But yeah, the Canalt Inn in Selkirk has got a great continental breakfast. I should have went. And the hottest hot tub in the world. And they have a cleaning shack. Yeah, attached to the hotel. It's the best. <laughs> so, Larry, after hearing me talk about it for years, yeah. did it live up to what you expected? Yeah, Dan, and thank you. Yes, absolutely. Oh, so it glad it, you it was the whole thing for me. Was it, I smiled the whole time? Um, I learned, um, and then I got a t- I got a tip for all you uh, auger people out there, especially fishing in extreme conditions like we had, because Dan. Dan was a little upset about his auger for a second, but the batteries, the batteries are the problem. Yep. Yep. So anyway, um, I hadn't, Tom has the, the 40, um, razor. Okay. And, um, it froze up. Not the, not the auger part did. And I whipped mine out. My, my, uh, um, ultra, Synthetic Ultra, eight inch. Can put my drill on it, but then I spun it after. But I've naturally spun it. It's one of those things you do it enough times, you just, it's just always okay. Most people just stop right away, pull it out. Well, that water is draining all off the shaft down onto your blades, okay. And if you don't run it for a few seconds, you're gonna have an issue. But I've been doing it so long that it's just. 
you don't even think about it. It's clear that slush out there so it doesn't freeze up. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a good. That's a good tip. Yeah, it's something it's that probably that most people that wouldn't think of one, either. They, yeah, that you don't think of. And then, why did I think of it? Because I've been there where my. I, you try to chip it off of there, and remember those blades are sharp. They may be too dull to cut uh, ice. They will rip you in pieces. And in, in just a, why did I touch that? <laughs> okay, why why did I touch that? God, now I'm bleeding all over the yeah, place. Yeah, sixteen below, but, and you got big old chunks cut out of your knuckles. It doesn't sound like yeah. a good a good combo. And then with the batteries, you do need to take them in. You need to keep them in the cab. Even Brad was constantly pulling his off and putting it in the cab and putting it back on when he would he would drill. But when you're not used to those conditions all the time, you don't think about it. But I've always been running mine a, a few seconds after I'm done drilling. That's so. a good tip. Lunch bag with hand warmers. That's what I use for my batteries. It's real cold. Put them in a lunch bag, throw five hand warmers in there for $2, and batteries stay nice and toasty. In, uh, in my gloves, I had four. <laughs> two on the outside and two on the inside. Okay. You, ever, you ever notice as you get older, your hands just don't stay oh, warm anymore? <laughs> no, they don't, but I've had tips cut, and those go right away. It's not just on one hand, it's on both hands, so I got to... And I've tried everything. I, the only thing I haven't used yet is electric gloves. But I've bought $100 gloves and nothing. I can go on and on. Crummy pair of head from Costco quite a few years ago. 16 bucks are the warmest gloves I own. It was cold. You were going to be yeah. cold no matter what you did. Yeah. It was cold. And everything. It burns, man. You got tears in your eyes. and But you do it. You know. Yeah. And once you got your hub up and the heat going. And you're comfortable. A, yeah. And then it's time to move again. <laughs> Just when you're like, ah, oh, this is this is comfortable. I'm going yeah. to go in pain. Yeah. Well, and then that's there's, the adventure. In the, when you augered, the snow coming up was full of crud. It was dirt. It's really dirty ice. ice. Does really it, dirty it, snow. it smokes blades pretty quick then? It, it probably does. Yeah. I mean, I had a brand new auger and it. It struggled at times to get through, but it was 30 inches of ice, and my batteries weren't warm. So, no. But yeah. And I think if the batteries stay warm, it just... Well, the drill, the grease in the drill will get cold, too. I mean, everything freezes up. Mm-hmm. We had a couple of Vakumas where the the drag failed. Did you put drag washers in them? Uh, tuned up usually does. Yeah, maybe you didn't. Maybe it was a 4.30 Friday thing, or you took them before they were ready. <laughs> It was actually Steve's. His, uh, his then, they, then I took them all out of Steve's. His uh, CBF five hundred. It was the only one I've ever seen fail. His uh, his Fluger President failed immediately. Well, <laughs> those are those are filled with water. Yeah, but the Akuma, I've never seen one do that before. But yeah, my XTs didn't fail. They didn't. Not XTs my. don't. It's the okay, it's blue, the blue Flugers blue that no. their grease is just not built for cold. Great for summer, but not built for cold. And it was cold. Well, that's a different kind of cold. Well, Larry, I appreciate you being on here to talk about it and give us uh, your perspective on the trip. Uh, and uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you for that. And and thanks for sharing about uh, about the retirement that you had got to celebrate with Mark over at Real Talk. It's been great. You. Thank you guys for asking me to come. It's a, it's a pleasure, guys. Absolutely. So Honor and a pleasure. So Those of you out there listening, make sure you tune in to Real Talk Outdoors on Sunday nights. Bob, 106.1 from 7 to 8, right? Yep. 
And if you haven't, uh, or if, if you've uh, enjoyed listening to this podcast, you get something out of it, uh, love it if you'd go on to Spotify or Apple uh, Podcasts and subscribe so you can be notified when the next one drops. Uh, we appreciate all of your listens. John, Tom. Thank you, guys. Thanks, everybody. Thank Bye. you.